Welcome once again to another fantastic episode of the Business Creators Radio Show. We help business creators like you win at the game of business and marketing so you can thrive from your intersection of your brilliance and your passion and make a difference for your community, market, and audience. Please take a moment and visit our website at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com. You will find hundreds of episodes covering a breadth and depth of topics relevant to you as a business creator and links to subscribe via your favorite network so you get fresh episodes delivered straight to you. And now today's episode, which is about one of those topics that fires me up, burns my oatmeal, grinds my gears, and brings me to the forefront of the intersection of my brilliance and my passion. And we have somebody who we're about to bring in, who's on the line waiting for us right now, who is as fired up and excited about this as I am, believe me, based on what he and I have been talking about in the green room before we went live here. We're going to be discussing authority marketing and to have this conversation I'm going to introduce you right now to a gentleman named Michael Greenberg. He's the founder of Gentlemen of Technology, LLC, which the short version is GOT, G-O-T, a B2B venture creation and growth consulting firm. GOT specializes in B2B SaaS and service businesses, as well as personal advisory services for serial entrepreneurs. He launched a company called Call for Content in January 2017 is a full-service podcasting agency for content marketing, audience growth, and monetization strategies. And since I have one of those businesses too, I'm actually, yes, speaking with a direct competitor. That's what makes the Business Creators Radio show so much fun is this isn't the first time this has happened. What also makes entrepreneurship so great and what brings my passion forth is the fact that they're is so much available out there if you as a business creator are prepared to stand up and claim your piece of the pie. There is somebody for everybody, there's everybody for somebody, and your approach is exactly what somebody is looking for. And it's great to have open dialogue with people who do the same type of work you do. In some cases, iron sharpens iron. With that, I'd like to bring in Michael Greenberg. Michael, come on in. The weather's fine. I'm here. All right. <laughs> okay. And it's great to be here today. Um, I'd like to say there are no competitors. They're just partners you haven't started working with yet. I love that. I might, I might have to make one of those famous live people quotes and put your picture on it. I'm okay with that. All right. Okay. Before we, before we dive in, because I think you and I are going to have quite a discussion for our listeners to tune in on, what we like to do here at Business Creators Radio is take a quick step. I read off your bio, which gives the, the general uh, sense of what you're doing now and a little bit of where you've been. But what we like to do is get to know people a little bit more on a personal level. So right now, people are binging the Yahoo out of the Googles, trying to find this Michael Greenberg guy at spelled G-R-E-E-N-B-E-R-G, folks, by the way, you're welcome. So what we're going to do right now is we're going to have 
Michael, if you could tell us a little bit more about your journey and what's brought you to where you are today, serving business creators from your intersection of your brilliance and your passion and making a difference for your community market and audience. Take it away. So I like to say I was born to be an entrepreneur. Um, and the fact of the matter is I am fourth and fifth generation on each side of my family. Um, I grew up around entrepreneurs. My father's one, my grandfather's one. My mom's father was one. My mom stayed at home, so not an entrepreneur, but just about everyone else in my family was. And obviously I was told the only thing you shouldn't do is own your own business, go get a stable job, go become a professional. That's the way to do it. And after sophomore year of college, I realized that wasn't really for me. Yeah. Uh, went to a coding boot camp, did the startup thing, raised about a million and a half with a company, learned a lot about actually starting and running a business, uh, helped them build out their initial prototype of the product, got to about 30 enterprise clients, and then we had moved around the country. They moved back to California. I stayed in Chattanooga, uh, where we were at the time. And that's when I started Gentlemen of Technology, started consulting with B2B professional services, some digital marketing agencies, and some B2B SaaS. And then from my consulting work, that eventually turned into call for content when I saw that my clients had a need for this sort of content that positions you. That's awesome. That's, that's really great. And you know, it's funny, when I was in college, I was my undergraduate was degree was political science and i also had his minors in history and middle east studies my intention from childhood was to become an attorney and right before i graduated from college i attended a three-hour seminar that was hosted by a major blue chip corporate attorney this guy was charismatic he was mesmerizing he was infuriating he drew you in i after three hours of listening to him, I was inspired to not be a lawyer. <laughs> not, not, and I have a lot of respect for attorneys. We've worked with attorneys, and I believe that the advocacy is extremely important, especially for those who need advocacy and somebody to stand by their side. It just wasn't my personality, and I recognize I'd gone through a lot of that for my for reasons that really had nothing to do with directly what was going to be the intersection of my brilliance and passion as an adult. Now, there was a clue as to what my intersection might be is, and again, I'm dating myself here. When I was in down in the computer lab, yes, before the days when most of us had computers in our own rooms, I, I uh, yeah, remember that? Yeah, yep, yep. I uh, was supposed to be working on my poli-sci term papers. What was I doing instead? I was on some of the early e-commerce websites looking up stuff about competition auto sound about building a system in my Camaro. I was intrigued by the ability to purchase audio equipment for vehicles right off the internet. I was intrigued by the ability to learn about the custom kick panels I installed my Camaro to create the front soundstage so that it sounded like you were sitting in a concert hall when you turned the volume up on my system. I was mesmerized 
by the idea that there were people and companies who sold custom parts for Camaros that you could either order online or actually become a distributor for uh, based on signing up through a website. So this was very early in the days of e-commerce. A lot of the things we take for granted now were either on people's wish lists or hadn't even really been thought of. But the reason I bring that up is that is what brilliant, brilliantly and passionately drew me in. I got my term papers done and I got good grades on them. I graduated with a very high GPA and I had some fun in class. But when it really came down to it, the thing that held me was e-commerce. So the clue was that ultimately I was going to end up doing my own thing and I wasn't going to be drawing a paycheck from another company. So that's just me. So you and I, Michael, we love podcasting and yep. we love authority marketing. So there's a number of points that we briefly ran down in the green room and we may do these in order. We may jump around a little bit. Let's dive in. Why, awesome. in your opinion, is podcasting perfect for authority marketing? So two reasons. The first one is why podcasting is perfect for all content marketing operations. And then the second one is why it fits perfectly for authority marketing. So the way I like to talk about podcasts is that they're deep content. We can get more information out of each other in an hour discussion than you are ever likely to use in a single blog post or a single other small piece of digital media. And so from a content production standpoint, starting with that information dense audio content is the most efficient way to produce a large volume of content at a low cost. And yeah. the host-centric, the personality-centric nature of podcasting and the depth of the conversation makes it perfect for authority marketing because it gives us the opportunity to show off that authority as an expert and it gives us an opportunity to give the audience the ability to trust them before they ever speak with them. And as I'm sure you know, having somebody who has already heard you talk for 30 minutes or 45 or an hour or dozens of hours, if they listen to your podcast regularly, when they pick up the phone to call you, that's a buying moment. That's not exploratory anymore. And so I've seen, we see about an 85% conversion rate from leads that come from podcasts. And that when we got that number, that's what really made my head, my eyes go wide and my head turn because that is an unheard of rate of converting to sale. Yeah, that is pretty amazing. And I want to bring out a couple really quick points here. Oh, you can feel the slow burn. You mentioned uh, how much content we can get from an hour of a podcast versus yeah. what you can get from the hour it takes you to, to type a good blog post. Let's say that we were to take 30 minutes of our conversation. So we cut off all the intro, outro, 
let's talk about Michael Greenberg, let's share a couple stories. And we focus on the primary, uh, shall we say, nutrition of information about authority marketing and podcasting. You and I are going to kick back and forth. And we use 30 minutes of that. We send it to a transcriber. You're going to get about 3,500 words. That's a chapter yep. in a book. That's eight blog posts. Exactly. Off a 30-minute conversation that's not even scripted, just guided by a few suggested interview questions. I wanted to bring that up because people think that podcasting, believe it or not to this day, is a waste of time. Uh, and there's a segue that I want to take right now. We, I know there's a number of points we have to make about authority here, and I really want to get into those. You know, you being you, – you're running an agency – that helps people with podcasting uh, throughout the process. What if you, if you had people where you've recommended to them that they start a podcast of their own and they say that they don't want to, and what are, and if so, what are some of the reasons they give for not wanting to start a show of their own? I just want to hear what you're hearing. So the biggest one I hear is it's not going to be worth my time. Uh-huh. And to those people, I ask, are you writing a blog right now? And then they say no. And then I ask, do you want to be? And they say, yeah, I really need to put out more content. And then I'm like, so why don't you record a 30-minute podcast every week and create all of your content? Because that 30-minute show, that can turn into a great blog post and all of your social for the week and everything. And normally they still don't believe me um, because they don't want to hear themselves speak. That's what I really believe it is. Okay. Um, from a numerical, there is no way, at least from what I've seen, that you can make a numerical case against using a podcast. Um, because, and this is my, one of our secret strategies that's not so secret anymore. If nobody listens to your show, recording that episode still turns into all of your content. If you plan ahead and you keep your episodes around similar topics, after 20, you've got enough for a book. If you plan ahead and invite on guests who might be good potential partners or prospects for you, you can generate leads. And all of this can happen without anyone listening to the show and so the people who really don't want to do podcasting i've seen they're either in one of those categories where they really just don't like talking they don't want to interview people or they don't really believe that marketing can help them yet okay because i've never but seen somebody who believes in content not believe in podcasting after you make the transcription to blog post argument. You and I agree with that. You and I are in complete agreement on all those points. Here are some of the common reasons or excuses that I've heard. Uh, I, I actually have narrowed it down to four. I've summarized it into four. Ooh. The first is the interview won't be about me. It'll be all about the other person. Well, that's a bunch of hogwash for three reasons. Number one, Number one, the fact that you're conducting the interview and having a conversation about something brings you into the conversation. It's up to you as the host to understand tactics like seed-based marketing, storytelling, 
conversational frameworks around building authority and just splicing ads into your interview to uh, like, like actually putting commercial breaks in if you choose to do so uh, in order to make it somewhat about you. Actually, I'm doing it right now. I'm the host of this show. And this it. is and this is and this is, you know, Michael Greenberg's episode. But I'm inserting my opinions about your opinion. So I am putting some of me in here real time. That's number one. Number two. Hosting and managing a podcast or live stream is hard work, and I don't have time. Candidly, that's if you make it so. And I, there are a lot yeah. of great people inside podcast discussion groups and podcast forums, but I see that most of what they talk about is, is, is you know, you know co contests about who has the best microphone and and what do I do with my soundboard settings and and uh, and long drawn out conversations about how much editing do I need to do and and uh, and at minute twenty four my guest said um like and then they say it again at minute twenty seven so should I edit that or not well goodness gracious damn it no. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and and besides and besides all that, besides all that, when you adopt what I call the pre-editing mindset, you where you're actually building a better raw product through doing the interview itself, you're dramatically yep. cutting down their time on that. Here's number three: How will I get listeners and downloads? Nobody's going to tune in anyway. This dovetails with one of your points, and what I say is, you only need one listener. Your guests. Yep. That's it. That's the only listener you need. Everybody else is incidental. And then there's number four. I need clients now. Not a lot of jibber jabber. Okay. Uh, we need to get back to authority marketing, but I'm going to ask you uh, just one question because I want to get your thoughts on this, Michael. Uh, how? Just pick a, a number. How many free strategy sessions do you get offered on uh, a typical business day? How many? Yeah, like you know, through just, email and LinkedIn and email, everything else. LinkedIn, social media, all that. How many people say, "Hey, sign up for a free strategy session with me"? Everyone. I don't let my clients put that up on their websites. If 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 we have an option, um, it will never be that. I'm yeah, about applications. If you yeah. have time to do a free strategy call with me, yeah, you're probably not busy enough to be worth my time. Oh, that's an inch. That's that is an interesting take on it. So I love that. Let's bookmark that. Listeners, make sure you subscribe to Business Creators Radio Show so you can go back and download that because that's key. Uh, I the reason I'm asking the question is I'll cut to the I'll cut to the chase here. Let's say you uh, let's say you were offered 20 free strategy sessions through advertising, email, social media, what have you per day. Seems the average. Reasonable. Yeah, the average person will sign up for zero of them Yep. for a couple reasons. Free strategy session, we all know that comes with a pitch, number one. Number two, uh, and, and since you know that you'll probably be pitched either on that call or you're being led toward the pitch, most people are ethical. And they know that if they themselves are not in a position to buy or they're not, you know, in a position to even entertain a conversation about investing, they're not going to waste the other person's time. So they just won't sign up, which means I'm not one of those people. Oh, you're not. I, if I see a marketer with a funnel and I'm like, that's an okay funnel. Or I see a coach like that. 
and I think that I kind of like their copy or I like what they're talking about or they're talking about something that we do or that I do yeah. for myself, I will book that call every time just to shoot the shit with them. Ah, okay. So we're okay, he's, okay, they hate me. okay, so so it's so a diff so a different a different country heard of heard from. I like this. And actually you just said something else. They hate you because why? Because you rarely take them up on their offer? I'm not gonna buy anything. I know that going in. Yeah. I'm here if if they are stupid enough as somebody as a marketing coach for businesses to try to sell to a guy who is a professional marketer and who has talked extensively about how he goes in and rips apart other people's marketing teams for messing up, they deserve to have their time wasted and I deserve to see if they have any novel information for me. So let's take this one step further. You, uh, you sign up for all these sessions to shoot the shit, knowing mm -hmm. you're probably not going to buy. Maybe probably do one or two a week. Yeah, not one or two a week. May, yeah, maybe you may at some point invest in something. Who knows? But most likely not. And most likely you're using as a chance to, and I'll say the phrase again, shoot the shit with them. Have a chat with them. Well, yeah, what I if, love marketers. Yeah. What if instead you shot the shit by doing an interview with somebody where both of you are going to promote the episode and you both get mutual benefit from it? I would love that. And you and you get to and you get to know each other just like you and I are getting getting to know each other right now. Yep. Without the pretense of a free strategy session. It's the warmest it, cold intro you can make is inviting somebody on for an interview. You hear me applauding? You hear me applauding? <laughs> I do. Yes. Thank you. Yes. So now that we've laid that down, let's transition that into building authority. Because what we have done up until now is we've established how you can enter somebody's life in a way where they invite you in, rather than think, oh, he's going to pitch me. She's going to bombard me with an offer. Now we are creating the platform to build great connections, which, and again, it's even better than, hey, man, you want to meet for coffee? <laughs> I don't even like coffee and I and I I'm one of those introvert people I want to stay in my home office with my cats I'm not meeting you for coffee however I will interview you on the business creators radio show or I'll be on your show and we can get some mutual benefit out of our conversation you want to pick my brain put me on your podcast promote the hell out of it I'll give you great stuff yeah that's all that's I mean that's just that's just my approach to it now let's get into this authority marketing uh, when you embrace the power of podcasting, what types of authority do you get? And I asked the questions, and I'm asking this question now after I inserted the question about why don't people host shows is because I knew you were going to get to the point where you said, yeah, a lot of people take strategy sessions and they do it to shoot, they do it to shoot the shit. And if you're, offering them maybe you deserve you have your time wasted but now let's speak about authority that you're gaining through podcasting yeah so podcasting gives you first off the authority of being a media creator as somebody who creates some sort of media in the wider world that that's really abstract that's not a very useful kind but 
when I think of kinds of authority, I think of authority in two ways. One, as relationary, and two, as a very specific thing. And so I'll break that down and actually put some example to it. Go ahead. <laughs> the, <laughs> the relationary aspect is that you, and let's assume you're doing an interview podcast, because if you're smart and you want something that's cost efficient and that isn't going to break the brain to produce and that gives you all the benefits we're talking about, you've got to be interviewing other people. I got to applaud you again. Yes. Continue, please, sir. So first off, you as the host, now you are the host of your show. That's a signal of authority right there. Then you as the host of your show are an expert in some specific thing that is the topic of your show. Every time you invite another expert on to speak about it, and you create a piece of content, an episode, that is you as one expert and them as another expert speaking on this topic, you get a little bit of their authority because they were willing to come and speak with you about it. They viewed you as enough of a, enough of a peer to do so. And at the same time, you get that opportunity to demonstrate your knowledge in the subject. And so in my mind, that is the basis of authority. And with podcasts, a good podcast is a very specific topic. And a very specific topic, the more specific you get, the easier it is to become an authority in that topic. So that works out really well because the more niche the podcast we have, generally the easier it is for us to gain audience with it. And the more niche of an authority we can get our client to want to become or to agree to position themselves as, the more specialized, the more narrow, the easier it is for us to make them an authority because it gives us a smaller market to be able to dominate. I love it. I love it. So of all the things you just mentioned, what do you think is the real key to authority? personality okay without a doubt you i am guessing you as an introverted guy who doesn't want to go out to coffee you might not be quite like this all the time right but you're able to take those unique aspects of your personality and amplify them into a character yeah because an authority is not a person they are an image of a person that other people hold in their mind. Like They're an avatar? Real. Exactly like yeah. an avatar. And so for all of these purposes, whoever you are as a person is distinct from that personality that is the authority that you are in all of your work. Does that make sense? Makes dollars and cents. And What's interesting is it allows you to really, in a way, become what your audience is looking for while remaining 
true to your authenticity. Uh, those who understand the introverted personality know that when the introvert is in the presence of people they are actually highly comfortable with, they themselves sometimes become the life of the party. Yep. It's funny how that works, but it is actually how it works. Because when we speak of introversion versus extroversion, and there are all kinds of variations like ambiversion, because everybody's a little bit of both, even if you skew strongly towards one of the spectrum of the other. To oversimplify it and put it in one sentence, introversion versus extroversion is defined as how you either gain or expend energy through social interactions. The extrovert is charged through social interactions. The introvert is drained through them and therefore needs to recharge. That's why they spend a lot of time at home with their cats. Yeah. It's, and it's, I mean, I mean, that's oversimplification, but if you understand that, you get the overall gist of it. Definitely. And the guy, the guy who I like to call out for having a really good catchphrase for this sort of figuring out your personality, bringing out those unique characteristics is Paul Jarvis. Okay. He has a phrase, you got to find your rat people. Um, he has pet rats and you know, everyone okay. hates rats, but people with other pet rats think they're super cute. Yeah. So you've got to find your rat people, that little group of people that really respond positively to that personality you've developed. Okay. I follow and you. That's your audience. I love that analogy. So what are some of the best plays you've implemented to make someone an authority and what were the results? Let's celebrate a little bit. Yeah, so our favorite is walking somebody through an exercise we call the authority roadmap. And what we do is we walk through everything they've done so far. We walk through what they're doing and then we look ahead. And we've actually got a list of 18 authority plays that we like to look for. There are things like going to a big name school or working for a big company, having a successful exit, or other big milestones in your career. So for me, when I talk about startups, I talk about how many enterprise clients we got, I talk about how much money we raised, and I talk about that I left the company before it failed. All the key points. Right. And if you've got certifications, those work the same way. Those are just markers of authority. Then we look at other content they're creating, communities they're a part of, and we use all these little pieces to build up to positioning them as an authority in one thing. So the example I like to use most often is my dad's business. He's a multifamily realtor here in St. Louis. And so what that means, he sells apartment buildings. Yeah. Now, there's a lot of guys that do that. What makes him unique? What makes him an authority? Well, he's lived his whole life in St. Louis. He went to the schools in St. Louis where people who own buildings go. And he knows all the council members and all the other, the whole old boy network. They all know him. He's been doing the same thing for over 40 years in the same area. And before he started doing it, 
his family was in the same business. And so when we put all that together, he's got a background of authority. And then when we layer in what he's doing now, he's the guy that churches and temples and the school board trust to sell their buildings because they know he's going to make sure they get a fair deal. Yeah. Boom. That's authority in the moment. He was recently president of the temple. Boom. Authority in the moment. And then looking forward now, having primarily focused on working with commercial investors, he's decided to start taking his experience, distilling it into more content and courses and helping grow his team so that he can help the smaller guys who just want two or four units who he couldn't help before. And so he's able to help these smaller individual investors because he has all this experience because he's trusted by some of the most, uh, most difficult to get business from institutions. And I'm thinking I'm missing the word there. Uh, Prestigious. Yes. Institutions. Yeah. Yeah. Prestigious. Um, because of all these things, he is the guy who you want to take you to take you forward into this sort of investment. And he's got a few buildings of his own. And so that being the case, he'll be honest with you on what he thinks of the building, including telling you not to buy it, which most brokers would never do. And so that's me essentially looking down the list. And if you go to authoritymarketingplaybook.com, there's my shameless plug. You'll be able to find the 18 plays, all of them. But those are ex- precise examples from that list of 18 plays slotted into that pathway, that roadmap to authority. But then when you tell that story, you know that person is a credible expert. Okay, so we've worked so hard on developing, you know, the authority of the host, the authority of the thought leader, what have you. Now we need to get people tuning into that. So how do you determine who your best audience is? I like to start with your best existing customers and clients. Okay. Because if you talk to your five best customers, your five best clients, and you learn about their business, about where else they hang out, where else they go. In most businesses, you're able to find a few places where that sort of client concentrates or congregates together. So we have a client who works with e-commerce integrations and we found a Facebook group for Amazon sellers with million plus stores. That's a group that we want them to be a part of. And we would never have found it because it's a private group. If one of his existing clients had not said, oh yeah, well, I heard about him here because somebody else who he had worked with in the past posted about a good experience there. And so that was a referral connection and a community that we did not know about. When we went and reached out to them later and said, hey, could we do a webinar? They said, yes. And that worked out pretty well for him. Yeah. So starting with your best existing clients. Right. That makes a lot of sense. So what types of content 
should you create to give you the best results in your efforts to becoming an authority? You mentioned one thing earlier that jumped out at me is if you're looking to write a book, basically do a bunch of episodes around the chapters you need is what I heard. But yep. overall, what types of content should we be working on here? Because we do want to create some authorities from our audience here today. So for coaching, consulting, professional services, the book is the way to go. That I don't think is going to change soon. People still trust books more than other sources of knowledge, even if the book is entirely wrong. Yeah. Um, and having a book lets you get on a circuit of speaking and podcast appearances that are only available to published authors. Yeah. So we like to start with a podcast. And with that podcast, generally what we do is the first six to 12 episodes are going to turn into an ebook that's going to be used as the download associated with the podcast. Uh-huh. And that ebook is also going to walk through the process of the expert, the thought patterns of the expert, or some wow. other variation on that theme, so that it becomes their key piece of sales collateral as well. That's really cool. I That's something I never even thought of, because I've heard of, and this is something we guide our clients through, is sometimes you may want to have like an introductory episode where you do it solo, but then get into interviewing guests, man, get that, get that networking going, get those connections happening and get that exposure to other people's markets because they're celebrating the fact that they were on your show. But I definitely see the point of that. So if you're looking to generate a download, such as the nine reasons why authority marketing will rapidly grow your business that's nine episodes right there. And to get the, the amount of content you need for a transcription, you only need to speak for a few minutes each one. Yeah. So you don't have, so, so you don't, you don't have to plan for D-Day on your solo hosted episodes and basically speak with yourself for a half hour. You can bang those in five minutes. We generally won't do these as solo hosted episodes. Aha. How, so how, would you, how would you do it, though, um, in order to take on, get the content for your ebook at the same time you're interviewing somebody? So we like to use, for those first batch of episodes, we like to use what we call allied guests. So those are the existing clients or other friends of yours who are experts or appropriate to come on the show as a guest. Son of a gun. <laughs> understand that we're really sculpting this whole conversation so we can show off the host. I've got a, I've got a new, uh, I've got a new podcast of my own coming out soon. I've been, I've had business creators radio show, one of the longest continuously running entrepreneurial podcasts on the air today, which is where we are right now for those who are listening. And we're also getting ready to launch profit through podcasting. If you're listening to a replay of this, like six months from now, that podcast is probably up. You can go check it out. But wouldn't you know it that it has an initial launch lineup of people who are my friends who are able to share specifics on how they have profited through podcasting. I could take those first 10 episodes and create a 10-point download just based on some of the top tips. I don't even have to use word-for-word transcripts. Just uh, I could even give them credit. Like I could say for point number five, I could say, yeah, yeah, Mike, yeah. And uh, as Michael Greenberg, uh, 
the founder of Call for Content said, there are 18 different authority plays that you need to be aware of. And spend a couple more sentences on that. There's, there's point number five. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's, and that's actually, uh, that's honestly my favorite part of the whole podcasting process. We've been able to have clients bring on clients of theirs who would never do a case study, but they were happy to come on the podcast and talk about the work they had done together. Yeah. And so it lets us, it lets us get all that information. Yeah. And that sets us up for part two, which is when we would transition into, okay, we want to publish a book in six months or nine months or in 12 months, how, whenever. We want to make sure we have episodes with experts on these 20 topics before then. So that way we can use those episodes to create the book. Yeah. And I so think, yeah. we've got the we've got our download, we've got sales content, and then we move into a full length book, publish the book, increase rates, go on that speaking PR circuit, and keep running the podcast. If that doesn't get you up to about quarter million to four hundred thousand, depending on your pricing in B2B services, you're doing it wrong. Yeah. Because I've never seen it fail yet. Um, yeah, that's an incredibly powerful insight, my friend. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. So next thing I would ask is how, once we've created all this great content, I mean, we're talking about books, we're talking about podcast episodes, we're talking about downloads. There's a lot of stuff happening here uh, using this authority marketing formula. How should you promote your content to ensure it reaches your audience? insert any question you want about, oh, I'm not getting the reach. Email doesn't get the same open rates it used to. Uh, Facebook is truncating our social media posts because we're not paying for their advertising. LinkedIn's doing the same thing. I'm getting banned from Twitter because somebody got butthurt over a joke I made two years ago. They went and forensically discovered blah, 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 blah. How do we overcome it? How do we promote it? Well, number one, I love appearing on other people's podcasts. Yeah. That's, that's a no-brainer to me, especially if you already have one yourself, because podcasters love to talk with podcasters, if this show is any, any uh, signal of that. Yes. Yeah, I would say this show <laughs> is a big signal of that. Go ahead. And so, outside of other people's podcasts, we do a few things. We've got all this content we're not using from the recorded and transcribed episodes. So we're probably going to do some re outreach and try to get some guest posts going. We're a big fan of social ads when we have the budget, but when we have the budget is the key word there. Um, I like LinkedIn because we've spent a lot of time in B2B and we're not going to touch ads for under 15,000 in a budget. Not for a client, right. at least. Um, we'd spend a lot less internally, but it's difficult to get a big lift without enough spend. Um, when we promote a show, the biggest thing we do is before we start recording it. 
and that's keyword research. And I am not a fan of keyword research or SEO at all, especially for written content. But with podcasting right now, as Google has started to put little pieces of audio up with search terms and whole podcast episodes, it has become a must for us where we will do some keyword research before we start and make sure that we get some questions that are designed to show up at the top embedded in our episodes so that we have a few podcasts that are SEO focused. And so combine yeah. with the PR, combine with the other outreach we're doing and fingers crossed we have the budget combined for some social. That's how we build the audience. Now, yeah. one note that I do like to make is even if we don't have enough budget in ads to go out and bring in new audience, ads for retention of podcast listenership works fantastically. Okay. So retargeting your podcast listeners with more episodes of your podcast, that's one of the ways we help make sure that we get a steady listener growth is making sure we don't lose too many of them along the way. Oh, I like I like that simple retargeting ads. Uh, yep. So so they so they visit the the podcast website, and this is another reason why you know there's another debate out there of whether you should host your podcast by simply sending them to your iTunes channel, whether you should use Player FM, or whether you As should. As a make marketer, it a this is not a debate. You should own your podcast website. You, you get just to subscribe on email. Exactly. Then... I, I set up the pins. You just rolled a strike three times. You went turkey. Uh, that's, just where I was, that's just where I was going. Uh, you knew where I was going, and you got me there faster. That is a yeah, key reason because another debate point is, well, can I just make like a blog category on my, uh, on my existing WordPress site? Yeah, you're using your blog function with your plugin to propagate your episode. We get the technology behind it. We know you can just assign it to a category called podcasts like, uh, like Blueberry Power Plus Press tells you to. That's fine. Yep. But when you have your own you have your own dedicated website just for that podcast. You get to name your podcast with a brand that reflects the language, the key phrasing, the questions that people are typing into search engines to find the content that you're delivering. And you can do neat things like put up the simplest possible retargeting ad just to make sure their social media feeds are full of more of your great content after they listen to one of them. Exactly. Easy peasy. And the only time that we will put a podcast on a client's website, actually there's two times. One is if that podcast is a recorded episode, an audio narrated version of a blog post. Okay. Um, and the other time is when we do a special series that is not a continuing show. And uh, that yeah. series is particular to the subject of the company. That makes a lot. That makes a lot of sense. Like if you're doing a a thirteen part series on copywriting, for example, it actually may make more sense for those thirteen episodes, which you'll propagate into Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and all that, to be found on copywriting ter type search terms, just to keep it closer to the content but if you were going to do an ongoing show by absolutely all means 
it should have its own title that attracts its own traffic. 100%. Yeah. You and I are in complete agreement with that. And for those who argue, well, I'll just use the third-party application that my storage company offers me. Well, yeah, you're giving some other domain all your traffic. Why would you do yeah. that? Fun Why? fact. Uh, one of, I'm not going to name which podcasting host, but one of them does not allow our preferred retargeting provider to be used on their platform. <laughs> See, and, 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 and that's where you get into trouble because you have these corporations that make decisions like that. If you control the website yourself, you can put whatever code you want. You can run 19 different ad platforms and track them using six different softwares. It's up to you. Yep. And 19 might be a little excessive, but if <laughs> you, get... you don't have LinkedIn and Facebook and Google at minimum, that's a mistake. Right. And LinkedIn is the one that everyone misses, but especially for a podcast, that's the one we see the most value in. You know, it's interesting because one of our clients uh, who actually follows the profit through podcasting system for his show he and I were having a conversation just recently and he told me that, and this surprised him, most of the pickup he's gotten in terms of the people who respond to the authority he's creating through his podcast and reach out to him, which is you said, when somebody reaches out to you at that point, that's a, that's a, that's a, that's a business call. That's not a getting to know you call have come yeah. from, have come from his LinkedIn. He hadn't really paid yeah. much attention to LinkedIn, before he started his show because he didn't really want to just copy his blog posts over there. And he didn't want to have to go on another platform to chat with people and deal with people messengering him saying, download my free report. I know we just met, but he found <laughs> that when he cross posts his podcast cast episodes, the LinkedIn, that's where a lot of his magic is happening right now. Yeah. I, I've run, I, well, I have now currently one show and I used to have another and they, I like geographically focused shows for myself so I can meet people in person. Um, and in both of those instances, LinkedIn has been the number one source of traffic and growth. Yeah. Without a with doubt. You. And it's also the only platform that we will touch from a social standpoint yeah. for our clients. It's it's a good one. I'm uh, I'm big on LinkedIn and I'm long on it. Right. Right. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, LinkedIn, LinkedIn is one of the platforms that's never really ever, not only is it never going to go away, but it's one of those ones you, every time, almost every time it feels like that I deal with somebody who is a social media guru. I'll hear things like, well, you got to focus on your Facebook, your Twitter, your Instagram, and I'll go down the list of all these. And then you have all the flashes in the pan that you and I have both seen come and go because you and I have been in the industry for a while. And they never mentioned LinkedIn. You know, I yeah. built, you know, I built two businesses just on LinkedIn. So, so folks go to my Facebook and they wonder why is it that on my Facebook only once in a while, do I even mention my business? But a lot of times I'm sharing cat videos or ranting about why the Oxford comma saves lives and selfies kill and, and trying to unite introverts separately in our own homes and all these other things I just go on about. It's because Facebook 
my personal Facebook profile is my is where I build my personal connections. So while all that's going on, making people think that uh, I'm just a fun-loving guy, over on LinkedIn is where I'm having the conversations that are turning into deals. Yeah. The two, yeah, the, I, the two twine do not need to meet. So I can be having my nurturing, getting to know you conversations in one platform, and I can be dropping the hammer on another platform. Yeah, and I'm not on Facebook. I'm only on LinkedIn and Twitter. Right. I only use my LinkedIn these days. Um, I, have, I have several Twitter accounts, and I've revealed this secret before. I don't maintain them. Uh, yeah. there's, there's another company that handles all of those, uh, a member of my team that does all that. If there's some DM that comes in or somebody retweets me or says something to me on Twitter or something like that, that they don't know the scripted answer for, they come to me. But outside of that, uh, Facebook and LinkedIn are the, are the personal sides of those two platforms are the ones I do personally. So if you actually want to speak with me, that's where you go. And yes, I have an Instagram, a Pinterest, and uh, this, that, and the other. I think I even have a Tumblr. But <laughs> I, again, I'm just being real here and because I'm sharing this because most people you want to connect with are the same way. They may be on 25 different platforms, and they may be posting to 25 platforms every day, but really they're actually just on one or two platforms. For me, it's Facebook and LinkedIn. For you, it's mostly LinkedIn with a little Twitter thrown in is what I heard. Yeah, so end of the day, if you actually wanna reach me, better call me or have Slack. Yeah. <laughs> if you're not in a Slack group with me, it'll take at least two or three days to hear back. Okay, okay, I'm with you. All right, so we are actually pretty much at the top of the hour. So with that being said, I want to give, for those of our listeners who are starting to really lean in and want to know more about this authority marketing, and hey, I'll be candid. If they want to check out your podcasting service, uh, I encourage them to do so because I think that, you know, I mean, obviously I'd like people to work with me, but if they jive with you better or they like your approach better i want them to have access to that so how do they get a hold of you and what do they have to look forward to once they connect with you so they can find me at callforcontent.com yep great website by the way thank you i yeah. was really surprised when it was available and very happy well you um, should you should you should have seen the dance of joy i did when indemandexpert.com was available i was thinking <laughs> oh there's no way and bang there it is well i'll tell you my favorite recent one, podcastacquisitions.com. I like That's that. That's a whole nother story. But <laughs> yeah. um, that's, that's the future of Call for Content. But go to callforcontent.com. Bottom left corner of the website, you'll see an office hours button. Uh -huh. That is the only way to directly book a meeting with me. It is a free office hour section, session. I am not trying to sell you. We have a sales booking. I have a sales staff for that. If you want me to sell you stuff, send me an email. Don't book office hours. Office hours are for people to ask me questions in my area of expertise and for me to answer them. We record it and then we use those sessions to create new content in the future. Oh, I like it. So, awesome. So that's why it's free. <laughs> Fantastic. So I do encourage everybody to go to call for 
content. You're getting ready to spell it. I'll do it for you. C-A-L-L-F-O-R-C-O-N-T-N-T-T-E-N-T.com. Callforcontent.com and follow the instructions that Michael just gave you. So, Michael Greenberg, thank you so much for being with us today. It's been an honor. It's been an education. It's been a hell of a lot of fun. Adam, thank you for having me on. All right. Can't wait to have you on one of our shows. I, and I'm there. So we trust you enjoyed today's episode of the Business Creators Radio Show. Check out our previous and our upcoming episodes on our website at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com. While you're there, be sure to subscribe via your favorite network so you get fresh episodes delivered straight to you. Until next time, have a great day. Take care. <laughs>